this is Catherine, as I know I need to stop talking. Hello, lovelies, how are we? It's Saturday. That's me using much more cheerful tones than I would have used if I'd recorded this podcast first thing this morning, because fuck me, I had a hangover. So as long-time listeners will know, I have been doing Dry January, because truly there is no better time to do Dry January than in the midst of a fucking pandemic and lockdown. I mean, actually, in some ways, there is no better time to do Dry January, because it's not like any of us are fucking going anywhere, is it? So I smashed my way through Dry January, feeling very smug and virtuous, which, let's be honest, is the only reason to do Dry January. And then got to the end of the week last week and I did what I always did as I go through dry January, which is like, this is easy. I could like be dry for, forever. I, I never need to drink a glass of wine again. And then I get to the end of January and I'm like, fuck me, bring on the wine. So I poured myself a glass. Well, Mr. I know I need to stop talking. I shared a bottle of champagne last night. So that gives you ideas on quantities. I mean, fuck me, I was dying dying this morning, absolutely dying. My tolerance has gone through the floor. And I just, I think I'm getting too old for this shit. I genuinely think I'm getting far too old for this shit because hangovers now, I mean, they're not what they were. I mean, time was, I'd barely notice I've been drinking the night before. These days, I look in the mirror and it's like somebody's sucked every last drop of moisture out of my skin and replaced it with sand. Sand rubbed all over the place with eye bags that practically down to my knees. So I'm, I am starting to wonder if it's if it's really worth it. So yeah, I was, I was feeling the pain this morning. However, I've powered on through. I've had about 30 glasses of orange squash and I feel like I'm now smashing it and ready to take on the day. Shame it's half past four in the afternoon, isn't it, before it's got me to that point fucking hell but it did get me it did get me thinking about over the years hangovers that I have known and loved when I say loved I mean wanting to puke over my own face which I probably did because um hangovers I mean there's no hangover quite as bad as a hangover with a with a small child right I definitely remember at least I was gonna say at least one at least one per month moment uh when I would be woken up after drinking probably again post-pregnancy tolerance shot to shot to bit so it was probably like a glass and a half of wine and I'd be woken up at like some god-awful time in the morning by Jamie like slamming toddlers don't know how to wake people up gently at all do they you you'd think there would be like nice nice stroking of faces and kisses and mummy mummy no Jamie used to regularly wake me up by smashing his Tommy Tippy cup into my eye socket and screaming into my eardrum so that 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 was nice and I've read up on lots of hangover cures over the years I can tell you that doesn't feature in any of the guides on how to how to cure a hangover none of them mention being smashed in the face by a tommy tippy cup unsurprising really isn't it so yeah there were definitely a a, f- a few humdingers when oh that's a good word isn't it humdinger there were definitely a few humdingers when when the kids were when the kids were small because you don't have the luxury of sleeping through a hangover do you which i think is perhaps why they became so terrible because when you're a student you just sleep through it you wake up and then yeah and then you're straight back on it no such luxury as a parent but but then I, I got to thinking that and there are definitely there are definitely three hangover related well no two two of them are like can you have a hangover while you're still drinking is that a thing if it is I think I created it um but the first the first the first one was I would have been these are all like in my youth and you, and you can tell that by the prodigious amounts of alcohol that I was managing to to drink like I say glass and a half now and I have to go and have a nana nap um so the first one I must have been early twenties very early twenties and. Mr. I know I need to stop talking and I had gone to stay with my parents 
and we'd had dinner. It was all very nice, very civilised. And then I think my mum very sensibly went to that bed and my dad said, let's get the Cointreau out, shall we? Which is, which is, I think it's like a very middle class drinking session. It's felt like, let's get the diamond white out. Let's get the Cointreau out and get smashed on Cointreau. It was, um, I suppose that's maybe that's how someone like, um, like Delia Smith or Kirsty Olsop, how they get really drunk is on smashed on Cointreau. Anyway, we did indeed get the Cointreau out after having drunk fairly relentlessly throughout the evening anyway. And I, all I can say is don't try this at home because between the three of us, we drank the bottle of Cointreau. Now, for the uninitiated, there's quite a lot of alcohol in a bottle of Cointreau. I know that you all know this, so therefore you wouldn't do anything nearly so stupid. And we drank the Cointreau, all very nice, and we went to, we went to bed. And then the next morning, me and, I, me and Mr. I need to stop talking, needed to go somewhere, I can't remember where, but we had to, I remember vividly, we had to get the bus. I grew up and my mum still lives in like a very small village in the middle of fucking nowhere, which is really lovely and beautiful and idyllic if you're retired or don't have to go to work and you don't have all your family there, nothing that you would ever need to leave the village for. As a teenager, it is fucking purgatory. There's like three buses a day. The last bus out of the village when I lived there used to leave at quarter past two in the afternoon. So if you're trying to have any kind of life as a teenager, not gonna happen. Anyway, I digress. So we were on one of the buses, one of the three buses going out of the village. We had to get the next morning. And I just remember sitting there on the bus. And again, small village, you know everybody, you know most of the people on the bus, you know the bus driver. And I'm sat there feeling like I'm going to puke Quantro out of my eyeballs, <laughs> clenching Mr. I know I need to stop talking his hand and going, I must not vomit. I must not vomit. So yeah, that was nice. I still can't really face Quantro now that was that was that was quite quite the night that was quite the night but yeah my my other two memorable memorable hangover occasions and and maybe they're not hangovers because i don't know if it counts if it's when you're still drinking were both absolutely back in the height of my my student days and the first one we'd had a we'd had an all-day drinking sesh me mr i know you need to stop talking and and a number of our friends and and we'd done the thing that students can kind of get away with which is like just mixing really random drinks i'm as i'm as i'm recording this I'm looking at my drinks cabinet, which happens to be right next to me, so very appropriate for this story. There's a bottle of blue curacao in there. I have never drunk blue curacao, so I don't really know why it's in my drinks cupboard, other than when I was a student, and for some unknown reason, it became like a regular in our in our drinks of choice. Uh, it makes your vomit blue. There we go. There's an interesting fact. This is like... This is like QI, isn't it? This is kind of like fascinating facts that you never knew you needed to know. Blue curacao turns your vomit blue. It's probably quite obvious thinking about it. Anyway, so we had had this all-day drinking session and eventually, much, much later than we should have done, we decided that we would go to the pizza, like take away pizza place and get, get some pizza, which was much needed by that point in the day. And we went into the pizza shop and I was standing there next to Mr. No, I need to stop talking. We hadn't been together very long then at all. I mean, we're talking like months, a short number of months. So this is early days. This is this is not the time in a relationship to test it as I was about to. And you know what's coming. So we, we stood there in the pub and I started to get a very, very bad case of the helicopters. For anyone who's never had the helicopters when, when drunk, you are very, very lucky they do what they say on the tin right it's it's horrendous the world swirls and whirls and 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 shakes around you and you think fuck I'm gonna throw up and this was me in the pizza place waiting for our pizza thinking shit I'm about to puke so I must have managed to like communicate something to Mr I know I need to stop talking 
um, which was probably something along the, lines, along the lines of, I'm absolutely fucked and about to puke, get me out of here. So he dutifully did. He escorted me out of the pizza place and we went outside. And I remember even at the time thinking to myself, new boyfriend must not puke on him. New boyfriend must not puke on him. New boyfriend must not puke on him. Listeners, I puked on him right down his top. Oh, I'm such a catch. Lucky, lucky, mister, I know I need to stop talking. I mean, we're still together now. So, hey, maybe it works as a pulling technique. I wouldn't necessarily try it. I mean, this is not a dating podcast, to be very clear. If you want to take tips on tips on how to meet and, and love your partner, puking down them isn't generally advised. So, yeah, so that was, that, that was a memorable one. And then... The other one, oh, this is me at my finest. This is me at my finest. So, so another another night of drinking again as a student, and I'd gone out with Mr. I know I need to stop talking. A friend of ours, and we were doing a little bit of a pub crawl. And for some reason back then, I used to kid myself at five foot one and three quarters that drinking pints of lager was a really good idea. Spoiler alert, it was a really fucking terrible idea because it made me puke. And it made me puke like after only a very, very small amount. Although, you know, relatively speaking, I found an old diary entry the other day. And for some reason, I was, we'd obviously been to the pub and I was chronicled what I was, what was drinking. And I described myself as a lightweight after, because I was drunk after drinking two and a half pints of lager. These days, I'm like, fucking hell, like a little half pint of shandy and I'd be on the floor and, and, and have to go and have a lie down for an hour. So I don't really know what I was thinking, but we'd got out for the evening and we were consuming large quantities of lager as you do. And as I mentioned previously, lager makes me puke. So I reached the point in the evening where I was like, okay, I'm going to be sick. This time I'd learned I did not throw up down Mr. I know I need to stop talking. I know growing as a person, right? I did not puke on the man that I loved. Instead, I went to the toilets and I went into the toilets and I threw up and I came back out and I felt really proud of myself. I, I was like, this is, this is a really grown up thing to do. I'm really, really grown as a person. I really feel this is like the, my entrance to maturity. No, you dick. Maturity would have been not getting so fucking smashed. You threw up in the pub you were drinking in, in the first place. But anyway, I, so I felt really proud of myself and, and the other said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. It's a bit sick, but I'm all good now. Let's order another pint jolly good times and so the rest of the night went on and then the next morning I woke up and I woke up in a cold sweat partly because that's what tends to happen when you drink too much lager but partly because it suddenly flashed back to me with horrible horrible reality what had actually happened the night before so when I'd gone into the toilet and I'd gone into the cubicle and I'd shut the door and I'd puked I remember thinking this is brilliant you've gone into the toilet and you've puked this is fantastic it suddenly dawned on me that it's there and I genuinely, hand on heart, still feel guilty about this now because somebody would have found it and somebody would have had to deal deal with it. And if that's you, I'm so, so genuinely so sorry. I realised as I woke up and lay there in the early hours of the morning thinking, fuck, I hadn't puked into the toilet because I hadn't remembered to take the fucking toilet seat up first. I puked on top of the toilet seat. What a fucking, fucking idiot. I just, oh my God, I'm cringing at the thought now. Who pukes on the toilet seat? I mean, you might as well just puke on the table. It's probably easier to clear up. So if you were working that pub that night many, many years ago and you had to clear up some vomit on the toilet seat, it was me. I'm so sorry. I don't drink lager anymore. I have learned my lesson. It was, it was, it was bad times. It was, it was definitely bad times. But, Back then, no hangovers, no hangovers at all. The, the, the joys of youth, I can remember 
I we were we were out drinking all night and probably went to bed at I don't know four in the morning something like that and then I remember the next day I promised to babysit for a family that I knew they had two youngish kids I promised to babysit all day and I was we were a distance away so I had to get an early train in order to get back there so I had to get up at like half past five having gone to bed at four very drunk I had to get up at like half past five to go and get this train and then entertain two under fives all day. Literally, the thought of it now is making me want to have a cry. Back then, I was like, fucking yes, of course. I'm superwoman. Get up in the morning. Hangover? What hangover? I feel no pain. I went back. I babysat. We sang. We danced. We crafted. We created. We cooked. We went on tours around the village. And it was all easy peasy. And then, you know, I'd say hangover forgotten. No hangover at all. Yeah, the thought of trying to do that now, I mean, even for my own children, the thought of trying to do that now makes me, yeah, makes me want to cry. It's definitely not going to happen. So definitely the moral of this story is don't drink to excess. If you're going to drink to excess, don't drink lager. If you're going to drink lager, for fuck's sake, open the toilet seat first and don't puke on top of it. Absolutely grim. What's what's wrong with me? But these days, you know, it's, it's a different story. Like I say, two glasses of champagne last night and I was hanging this morning. It's taken me till half past four in the afternoon to recover. And to be honest, I went to bed last night, I think before everybody, I think I was in bed and fell asleep before everybody. I have a, I have a vague memory of, of Jamie coming to say goodnight, but I was, yeah, I was, I was dead to the world. So end of 30s is clearly, clearly starting to, to, to hit me hard. I'm not capable of these, these late nights. I say I panic, not in bed by nine o'clock at night. And I'm like panicking going, shit, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. I had a night this week when I couldn't sleep. I just couldn't sleep. I don't know why. And reading up on it, it seems it's quite common because we're all in fucking lockdown purgatory and it's never ending. And we're all going, when the fuck are we getting our lives back? So with that as the backdrop, I suppose it's not that surprising, but I, I just couldn't sleep and I lay in bed. And when I was younger, I used to suffer with insomnia quite a lot. And I haven't for a while as the kids have got older. But anyway, it came rushing back with a vengeance. And I was lying in bed and you do that thing, anybody who's ever suffered from insomnia will know, right? You do that thing where you're lying in bed going, I'm so tired, I need to go to sleep. I'm so tired, I need to go to sleep. I'm really fucking tired. Why the fuck am I not asleep? And I read something once on Twitter and it's the truest thing I think I've ever read, ever, which it said, why the fuck is sleeping the only bodily function or activity that you have to pretend you're doing before you can actually do it? I mean, it is ridiculous, right? You get into bed and, and unlike anything, like if I go for a wee, I sit on the toilet and I have a wee. I don't sit on the toilet and pretend to be having a wee and then it happens. If I want to go for a walk, I get up and I start walking. I don't pretend to walk. So why do we have to get into, into bed, make the room dark, close our eyes, lie really still and pretend we're asleep before we can go to sleep? It's bonkers. Sometimes the human body's incredible and it's also fucking mental in many ways. So I was lying there in bed and as I say, anybody who's ever had insomnia will probably have experienced this, thinking, I'm so fucking tired if I don't go to sleep. I'm going to be so tired. I'm so tired. I'd better get to sleep soon. I'm going to be really tired. And I started to feel absolutely fucking livid with myself for not going to sleep when I was very tired and I still couldn't get to sleep. So I spent yesterday walking around with, with eye bags the size of snooker balls, which is always really good, isn't it? When you have to sit and look at yourself on Zoom calls, because I'm pretty much on Zoom calls all day in the role that I do. And all I could see all day were these massive snooker ball sized eye bags radiating out of the out of the screen at me eyeball chic i've tried to bring it in over the years many a time yes yeah, never quite happened it's never never quite worked out 
So that was annoying. I can't remember where I was going with that story. I have, I have no idea. It's one of those days. I'm too old. I'm too old for all this. I think um, 40 is going to hit me hard later this year. 40 is going to hit me hard. In other news, there is no fucking other news because we're still in fucking lockdown, aren't we? And it just seems to be going on. And, and there's loads of positive things and hooray for all. If you're listening and you're someone who's involved in the vaccination programme, yay, yay you. You're amazing. You should be running the country because you've managed to sort this out far more effectively than any government has ever managed to do. So yay you. So there's lots of there's lots of good stuff on the horizon. But in the interim, it is hard not to feel a bit aggrieved that we're still in fucking lockdown. And I know we can all do the thing of there's lots of people who are worse off than us, blah, 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 blah. That's very true. It doesn't make lockdown any more shit. And that will be the hill that I will die on. It is fine for you to feel that this situation is quite fucking shit, regardless of how much shitter somebody else might have it. Shittiness is not a competition and never is that more true than in lockdown. So we are we are still living our lockdown life every single day. We're very lucky. Look at me, I'm doing it again, default. We're very lucky. We are very lucky because we're all at home. Well, some might call that lucky. Some might call that, how have you not killed yourself? And there are days when I go, I don't know, we haven't killed one another. But no, we're, we're kind of into the swing of things now. Obviously, Jamie is still living his absolute best life. He said to me the other day, he said, in, in kind of tones of wonder, he said, Beth really misses her friends, doesn't she? As she was chatting to the one house party. And I said, yeah, that, uh, yeah, she does. He went, hmm, wonder why that is. And I sort of looked at him a bit askance and I was like, because when you have friends, you typically want to hang out with them and she can't. And he looked at me and he nodded. He went, hmm, it's a good thing, isn't it? He said, I don't really miss my friends when I'm not with them. That's why I love lockdown so much. And and so good, you know, the rest of us are are, are all hating life. But there is one, one 13-year-old boy in the south of England who could not be happier with his life choices right now and spends most weekends saying to me, oh, it's going to be really sad when COVID's over, isn't it? Um, no, no, Jamie, on so many levels, no, no, it will, it will not be, it will not be really sad. But he's, he, he has thrived in lockdown, he genuinely has thrived, he, home learning for him has been genuinely quite good, and, and he's having this kind of weird sort of epiphany at the moment where he's realising that, oh, actually, if I don't spend the entire lesson dicking about and chatting to my mates, I learn stuff. It's a revelation, right? It's a revelation. So yeah, he is, he is, he is, he's enjoying lockdown. Beth is missing, missing football, missing her beloved football. We've been out on walks every day. It's not the same, is it? It's not the same. I love a walk, but even I am going, hmm, done quite a lot of walks now. Although very exciting to walk out my house this afternoon and find a new walk. I know, right? This is breaking news in, in lockdown life. It went in a totally different direction. It was very, very, very exciting very exciting so yeah there are still there are still moments of excitement excitement to be found but it is yeah it is a bit of a grind obviously you might see in the blog got the kids to um do that age-old age-old lockdown tradition of making banana bread together and for anybody who didn't see the blog blog post so we had some bananas we've been getting a veg box veg boxes are exciting that that's a genuine excitement from lockdown a local company once a week or however often you want it brings you a box of assorted fruit and vegetables i kid you not it's the most fucking excitement of the week it's like my high point this is what i've become but yeah we love a veg box anyway we had some bananas left over nobody's a big fan of bananas in this house because they're not quite the right color i mean honestly it's practically like my kids have one of those Pantone paint paint charts. They're holding up to it and going, it's a bit too yellow. I, this one's too grit. There's some black. Oh my God, just eat the fucking bananas. Anyway, we compromised. I said they could make banana bread. So against my better judgment, I unleashed them on the kitchen together. Surprisingly, went quite well. Went quite seamlessly. 
until we got towards the end of the banana bread making, I was about to go in the oven and I was working at my desk and I suddenly heard Jamie go, Beth, what are you doing? And so I, I kind of looked up to see what was going on. And he said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she said, I'm putting the lemon juice in. And he said, you don't need that much lemon juice. Beth said to him like he was an idiot, it says to put in half. And Jamie, head in his hands, was like, half a lemon, not half a bottle of lemon juice. And Beth was like, oh. She's like, well, it looks really good anyway, so I'm sure it'll be fine. And, and people asked me on the blog, what did it taste like? I didn't actually get to taste it because the kids devoured it so quickly. So on that basis, I say, chuck half a bottle of lemon juice in. Why not? You never know. You might end up with the next Great British Bake Off culinary creation so yeah they have they have smashed the the banana bread making that's been the the creations of the week this week but signs of spring are coming i've been out today it is beautiful out there it's been like a beautiful i look like a mad person because i get quite hot when i'm walking by myself because i walk quite quickly so i was walking along in a vest top and walking past lots of people wrapped up in coats and scarves looking at me like i was a little bit unhinged but i don't care i was de-sweated by walking along in my vest top so i think it was probably worthwhile but there's loads of signs of spring the daffodils are starting to open the snowdrops are there so good things are coming we just have to be patient it feels very difficult to be patient right now but good things are definitely coming in other news i just had to briefly pause because the Ocado man had arrived early and beth was accosting him to try and persuade him to hand over to her personally bottle of vodka that Mr. I know I need to stop talking had ordered. Uh, needless to say, the Akada man was having none of it, despite Beth's conviction that it would all be absolutely fine. I'm very sorry if you're the Akada man. She, she is genuinely terrifying. She has got a, a track history of, of accosting the Akada men. Um, typically, that sounded weird and I meant it to sound. Typically, she, um, not, not so much interacting with them, she likes to run outside. And as you'll know, one of our one of our cats is called Brexit and has a propensity for being out the front in the road when, when anybody drives down. So you've got Beth flinging herself out of the house, screaming, Brexit, Brexit, in the manner of some Eurosceptic while the Ocado man looks slightly terrified in the background. So yeah, sorry, sorry about that. If you are Ocado man, I'm, I'm truly very, very, very sorry. The good news though is, can you hear what's happening in the background? That's right, nothing, because the new dishwasher is here. And it's silent. I know, right? I mean, it's not quite silent, but it doesn't sound like it's chewing up a load of bricks like the last one did. It's in. It's working. You'd think everything would be perfect, right? And everything is almost perfect, apart from one teeny tiny, ever so slightly minor issue. Our plates don't fit in the dishwasher. Which I have to say, I know you could argue I should have like checked this first, and maybe I should have done but for fuck's sake, it's a fucking dishwasher. Its entire purpose in life, its raison d'etre, is to wash plates. So when it doesn't fit fucking plates in, I'm a little bit lost for words. So no, the, the, the plates that we have are too big. I've tried rotating them. I've tried putting them in several different directions. I have now given up. I have bought a new set of plates. So my attempted mending of the dishwasher is turning out to be possibly the most expensive thing I've done all year. And with lockdown to set to continue, that doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon, does it? So, yeah, uh, but it's quiet. It's a quiet dishwasher. So that's a treat. As I say that, I've just noticed that my fridge has started up making loud noises in the background. I just, I just can't. I just can't, honestly. Anyway, I guess my, my closing thought for you all this week would be, it's okay not to be okay right now. 
it's really fucking tough and even though we can see the green shoots things are hard i think there's lots of people struggling out there the thing that worries me is i'm not sure how many people are feeling that they are able to be open about how much they're struggling because of this whole but there's other people having it so much tougher than me yes there may well be but that doesn't make your tough times any less valid and and if you take nothing else from today's podcast if you still drink lager and throw up on toilet seats and you haven't learned that lesson from me but learn nothing else, then I think, you know, it's okay to be open about the fact that we're all struggling a bit now. Things things are a bit tough. And until then, you know, we can just carry on, crack on making our banana bread. Just don't let Beth give you the recipe. She's definitely not to be trusted. Look after yourselves, stay safe, take care, and I will see you all next week. Take care, loves. Lots of love. Bye-bye.